Well, hey, so grateful that you're tuning in online with us today as we kick off our new series, Mark on Rewind. And, you know, oftentimes when we think about the term rewind, my mind automatically goes to rewinding a video, a film. And I started to think about, well, which film could I rewind for us today? And then I thought, well, maybe I could do a more current film that I could rewind. But then it made me think about something that we put out this past week as a little ad for our Easter to invite people to Easter last week. And as people saw this little promo video, um, some people noticed some things and some of them were really quick to just like jump and let me know. They couldn't wait to, to just you know, show me. Others of you maybe saw it and have been a little more respectful about it and have just kind of thought it and kept it to yourself. So why don't we go ahead and rewind this clip from last week. And this is the spot where everyone has just been so excited to point out to me this little spot right here, trying to say, uh-oh, 40s haven't been going too well for Travis, and looks like, you know, he's having a little balding issue going on, and I just want to let everyone know, okay, that that is not balding, okay? You can just, I mean, listen, this is, this is called colicking. This is called, I've been spiking my hair for 18 years, or no, since I was 18 years of age, and, you know, after you do something for a while, it just kind of happens, and I can just hear some of you over the video or over, you know, wherever you're listening, thinking, sure, Travis, just go ahead and keep living in denial. Unbelievable, unbelievable. You know, there's just some things in life that we just can't rewind. That includes our hair and that includes our wrinkles. But anyways, but there is some things that we can rewind and that's what we're going to be doing in this series called Mark on Rewind is what we're going to be doing. This is going to be fun. Uh, we're going to be rewinding our way through the book of Mark. Uh, this idea came in my mind uh, months ago about wouldn't it be cool after Easter if we took one of the gospels, the story of Jesus, and literally went backwards and studied it backwards through the lens of the resurrection. Because, right, most of the time as we read through the Gospels, read through the stories, we're going from front to finish, and the filter always is, is that Jesus hadn't died yet and Jesus hasn't rose from the dead yet. But now let's think about it from the perspective of what are these historical figures thinking now in light of the resurrection? Like, for instance, like, let, let's, let's bring up Joseph of Arimathea. Remember, Joseph of Arimathea was the one who provided the tomb for Jesus. He was rich. He was a respected elite businessman back in that day. And people thought he was probably crazy for doing that. But now in light of the resurrection, what were people thinking about Joseph of Arimathea now? Did they respect him more? Or did they push him away and reject him even more? But for him, he probably was thinking that was one of the best investments that I did, allowing Jesus to go and be laid into my tomb. Or what about the Roman guards who were guarding the tomb with the Roman seal? I mean, besides fearing their lives from Pilate because of their failed attempt to guard the tomb meant that they would have to be killed for that. Besides them fearing for their lives, did they ever get to the point of going like, you got to be kidding me. What a joke this Jesus is. Did it ever switch from going, you got to be kidding me. This Jesus was no joke. This Jesus was actually God. Or what about Barabbas? Remember the figure of Barabbas was the murderer who, was tr who traded places with Jesus. 
At, at, at one point, it was, you can either release the murderer Barabbas to be set free from the penalty of death or release the innocent Jesus. And the crowd kept shouting, Barabbas, 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 free Barabbas. What was now going on in his mind as now rumors are spreading that Jesus, who took his place in death on a cross, is now literally has risen from the dead? Did he ever go from a lack of remorse in his spirit to a, a spirit of repentance and reverence? Did he ever get to the point to, to literally realize that Jesus not only took his place of physical pain, but if he put his faith in Jesus, that he took his place of eternal pain? I mean, just unbelievable thinking about these figures in light of the resurrection. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the figure of a lady who laid down specific things at the feet of Jesus. We see three different times in the Gospels how she would lay down specific things at the feet of Jesus. And we're going to see her perspective on Rewind in the light of the resurrection. And our goal, our hope, is that as we go through this historical dinner event that took place, that... Um, we would ask ourselves, what might we need to lay down when it comes to things in our lives? What might we need to lay down at the feet of Jesus? But before we begin this rewind of the book of Mark, I just want to pray for us as we dive in. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the resurrection. And as we rewind the book of Mark, help us to grab onto things that maybe we never thought about to enrich our faith and strengthen our faith as we move towards you. Father, I ask that you would control my mind and speech as I communicate. And I pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So, hey, if you have a copy of the scripture, let's open it up to the book of, you guessed it, Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 14 today. And the reason we're skipping chapters 15 and 16 is because Mark chapter 16 was mostly about the resurrection. Mark chapter 15 is mostly about the crucifixion. And since we already just came off of Easter and then we are just in this whole series on the crucifixion of the last words of Jesus, I thought it'd be good for us to just kind of jump right into chapter 14. And so here's where we pick it up right now here in chapter 14, starting in verse one. It says, it was now two days before the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. And the chief priest and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth. And that word stealth was literally like they were trying to, to, to bait him. They were trying to trap him, very sneaky, skillfully, and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail on this, but uh, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread was a, a Jewish tradition that still continues to this day. And uh, these terms back then were used interchangeably, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened, uh, Unleavened Bread. And the reason why there would have been such an uproar is because uh, m m many, it was in order for, for, for the men to come back to Jerusalem on pilgrimage. And so there was an estimated around this time around 2.5 million people were on pilgrimage to Jerusalem during the Passover. But now I want us to notice the chief priest and the scribes. The chief priest and the scribes, these weren't idiots, okay? These were intelligent people. They knew the Torah law, like the back of their hand, but they also knew the Roman law. And so they knew how to get whatever they wanted to, even if that meant manipulating their moral compass uh, to justify their moral compass. 
And what's sad is that we see these chief priests and these scribes using their gifts, using their talents for evil purposes instead of for God's purposes. They were using their giftings and their talents for evil purposes, their own purposes, instead of for God's purposes. I wondered, just thinking about rewind in light of the resurrection, I wonder how many of these priests, I wonder how many of these scribes actually got to the point to lower their pride and finally realize, oh my gosh, like we were a part I used my gifts, I used my talents to trap the Messiah and to have him killed. I wonder how many of them actually got to the point where they lowered their pride and realized their responsibility and how they used their gifts and their talents for evil purposes. Reminding us the importance of how we need to lay down our purpose that we need to lay down our purpose, your purpose, when it comes to using your specific gifts and your specific talents. When you think about it, every single one of us, uh, as you're watching this, you know, as you're listening, you you are so uniquely gifted. Like you are a one of a kind divine design. Let me say that again. You are a one of a kind divine design. Just look at your fingerprints to prove it. There will never be anyone like you. And so we all have a choice. Are we going to use our gifts and our talents for our own selfish gain, for our own purposes, for the world's evil purposes? Or are we going to use our gifts and our talents that have come only from him for his purposes, for his glory? And so the question is, is how are you using your gifts and talents for God's purposes to bring him glory? I mean, just think. I mean, would you just think about one of your giftings? You have many. But just what's one of your gifts? What's one of your talents? What are, like, what is it? Maybe you're strategic. Maybe you're hospitable. Maybe you're creative. Maybe you're a listener. Maybe you're a developer of others, a leader of leaders, a starter. What is it? And how are you using that specific gift for godly purposes? I think about so many people. I can think about so many people that use their gifts and their talents for God's purposes. And I think specifically of our lion community. Um, that recently so many people from all across our church went and used their specific giftings to help restore this new building out there and, and, and using their trade, using their craftsmanship to, to make it happen. And I'm not just talking about serving and using your gifts for inside the church, but I'm talking about even outside the church. I can think of so many people that use specifically their workplace strategically to, to use their gifts to bring God glory in their workplace. Are you laying down your gifts? Are you laying down your talents for the purpose to bring God glory or is it just for you? Where might you be wasting one of your gifts where it's just kind of rotting away and not being used for God's purposes, but only for your purpose? So then just a couple miles outside of Jerusalem, Jesus gets invited to a dinner in the town of Bethany. And here's where the story picks up. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, which most likely Jesus healed there, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard. And let me just point out for a a moment here, the woman, 
now, this same dinner event was recorded in the book of Matthew and was also recorded in the book of John. So we know that the woman who Mark was talking about was Mary. Mary, she was accompanied by the disciples of Jesus, but she was also accompanied by her sister Martha and her brother Lazarus. Which, side note, can we just talk about Lazarus for a moment? I mean, think about, I wonder, you know, Lazarus, remember, is the one that Jesus, you know, raised from the dead. I, I, I wonder if Lazarus rewinded his mind back to this dinner. I mean, there he is reclining with Jesus in awe that Jesus had just raised him from the dead. And now thinking about it in terms of, wow, he not only raised me from the dead, but he raised himself from the dead. I mean, I, I got to imagine Lazarus rewinded himself right back to this moment, being in awe of what Jesus had done for him. But then it continues to say that this pure nard um, ointment was very costly. It was a very, very costly, unique oil that came from India. It was a very essential oil, which, I mean, who would have thought the essential oil business back in Jesus's time was booming, okay? Who, who, who would have thought? Which, you know, just, can, just a little side note, just a little rabbit trail when it comes to the whole essential oil thing, okay? Uh, I, I'm not saying I'm against it, okay? But I'm not saying I'm like I'm 100% for it. It seems like these oils can be pretty expensive and if they work, you know, hey, I, I don't, don't like judge me here on this. But, you know, my wife uses them and she buys them. And, and, uh, but can we, just, can we just agree on this? That, you know, when you, when you, when my, my wife, like, she'll, you know, she'll, you know, if I get a headache or I'm not feeling right, you know, she'll, she'll start to, like, you know, put the oils around my neck or then kind of put it up here on my temples and I got this headache or whatever's going on. And then, you know, you go to sleep and then you're kind of like moving around, around your pillow. And then I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm not bothered by my headache or the pain. I'm bothered by the burning of my eyes because the oils have gotten into my eyes. I mean, can we just stop with the oils all over here and just, let's just stick to the feet. Let's just stick to the feet. Let's just put the oils and massage the feet. I'm good with that. In fact, I'm guilty of pretending I was a little sick just so I can get the oil foot massage. And I know I'm not the only one. And if I am the only one, then that's a little tip for you spouses. Just, you know, get a little sick. Hey, you know, can you just put the oils on my feet? It works all the time. Okay, rabbit trail done. But then check this out because I thought this was kind of funny as I was studying this this week. Then it continues. It says, the flask of the ointment of the pure nard was very costly. And then it says this that Mary, that she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And I got to wonder if Jesus was just like, I mean, not here. I mean, could you just put it on my feet? Because now I wonder if the eyes of Jesus, because this was spikenard and it burns the eyes. I wonder if he was like, all right, enough, enough of this. Can we just put it on our feet? Because in John 12, 3, here's what we know. It says, this is the other uh, uh, you know, depiction of the story. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus. Maybe this is why. And wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with a fragrance of the perfume. I thought that was funny. Maybe you didn't, but uh, anyways, moving on. But because what I want us to understand here, okay, in all seriousness, this moment was a very honoring, respectful thing that Mary did. Mary was anointing someone's feet, which was a very humbling thing to do. But also notice the other detail right there, that it says that she wiped his feet with her hair, which was showing 
a high regard and honor to Jesus because in that culture, a woman would not undo her hair in public settings. That was a sign of her glory. And so she was laying down any of her glory, laying it down at the feet of Jesus. But then what we're gonna see is that when she did this, when she poured the oil over Jesus, when she was wiping the oil and spreading it with her hair, she was quickly criticized, which is another great reminder that when you lay things down at the feet of Jesus, the world will often criticize you right around the corner. Don't be surprised when you lay down things in your life humbly to give him glory instead of yourself that people will criticize and people will be ready to trap you and to condemn you. And so here's how the story goes. It says, there were some, and one of the some that we find in John's account was Judas, one of Jesus' disciples who betrayed him. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? And we know that the motive of Judas wasn't like because she was being wasteful. Judas was the one who was in charge of the money bag for the tribe, for the disciples, for, for their group. And he was often known for taking things from the money bag whenever he wanted to. He was a thief, okay? And so he didn't care about it being wasteful. He wanted it for himself. For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. They mocked her. They criticized her. Now, 300 denarii back then was a lot of money. A lot of money there. A lot of pennies. A denarii was, uh, back then, a common day's, like one day's work of wage. And so when you say 300, that was almost a year's wage back then. It would be about equivalent to just about, to just over 10,000 U.S. dollars. So that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to marry. But in her spirit, she felt the prompting that it was necessary to be recklessly generous in this moment. She felt the need. She felt the spirit. She felt the prompting, the prompting to lay down her pennies, to lay down what she had that she could have kept for herself, that she could have sold and had for herself. But in that moment, she felt led to lavish this anointment upon her Savior. Reminding us that it is important not only for us to lay down our purpose when it comes to our giftings and talents, but to lay down our pennies, our treasure. When God prompts us, when it seems crazy, to lay down our hard-earned treasure. One of the hardest things for us to give up and to, and, and to trust God with. You know, where your heart is, your treasure is. Everything that we have, anything comes from God, but then to be willing when he prompts us to give, to, to, to be generous, that we are obedient with that. And you know, I don't think it's by accident today that we celebrated earlier here online that our church gave its Easter offering away to the people of Ukraine, to help people in Ukraine and that we raised over just $10,000, the same amount that Mary poured upon Jesus and laid down before Jesus. Because when I heard the news that our church was so amazing and joined together to raise $10,000 for the people of Ukraine, I was so ecstatic, but I will be honest, after I heard it, then it sunk in and I was like, wow, 
man, we really could have used that $10,000 to help finish our Lion building. I mean, heck, we could have used that $10,000 in our Plymouth location to get one of these other warehouses because we need it for our students and for the Hikari church plant. We could have really, you know, and then I was reminded, no, 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 no. We as a team believe that God moved us to lay it down, to not be about just ourselves, but to, but to give it away. I don't think it was by accident. We, we need to be people that are called when God moves in us. To, 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 and I'm not just talking about here in the church walls. I'm talking about like when you see a friend in need, when you, see, when you see a stranger in need, what do we do? Do we just push it away or do we lean into it and, and, and lay it down when the spirit pushes us, prompts us? Are we people that will lay down our pennies at the feet of Jesus to bring him glory? And so meanwhile, Judas is rebuking her and criticizing her. And then Jesus speaks up and says, all right, lay off. I want you to lay off. I want you to leave her alone. Lay off and leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you and whenever you want. You can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And here we go. Jesus again doing what he did multiple times, predicting his own death, which now in light of the resurrection, you got to wonder if everyone in that room was like, oh yeah, yep, remember that dinner? We were kind of wondering why he said that. That's why he said that. I'm sure they went back to that moment. And then just think about Mary in light of the resurrection, her rewinding back to this moment, knowing that everyone in the room thought she was crazy. And then you got to wonder if Mary thought after Jesus died on the cross and was like, Oh my goodness, did we get the wrong guy? Oh my goodness. And then, man, to think that I was so wasteful with a year's wage imported upon this guy that's now dead. But now he's risen from the dead. And I wonder her going back, no, 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 no. That was the greatest investment that I ever could have done with that oil was to pour and lay it down at the feet of Jesus, reminding us again of the truth that whenever we lay down our treasure, whenever we make an investment into the kingdom of Jesus, it will never go to waste. It will never be wasted. And so um, when Jesus said the line, lay off, leave her alone, why do you trouble her? This wasn't the only time that Jesus defended Mary uh, because of her actions during a dinner. Uh, if we rewind just a little bit further, um, he had to defend uh, her from her sister Martha, who was upset that she was just sitting at the presence and sitting in the presence of Jesus, hearing his teachings while she was busy all over the place getting the meal ready and serving. We read about this in Luke chapter 10. You can go there on your own. I'm not going to go there right now. But in other words, Martha was doing all the work, running around like a busy bee with her head cut off, while Mary just sat in the presence of Jesus. Mary was the worshiper, and Martha was the worker. Now, a lot of times, Martha gets a bad rap, like she was running around working. But here's the thing. We need Marthas of the world, okay? Amen for all the busy bee Martha servants of the world. But here's the thing. As Jesus followers, we are all called to do both, to be workers and worshipers. But sometimes, here's where we want to lean into this. Sometimes our work for Jesus can get off balanced. Our work for Jesus can get off balanced. Think about it. 
Martha invited Jesus into her home, but then was neglecting Jesus sitting right in front of her because she was trying to make everything so perfect and elaborate and so detailed. And she began to miss the moment that was sitting right in front of her face because she was so crazy about the work, which reminds us that we need to be people that strive to lay down our presence. What does that mean? Being present with our Savior to not miss what's right in front of our face of being in the presence of Jesus, to lay down our busyness, to lay down the chaos that's going on in our minds and with our hands and lay that down and be in the presence of our Savior. John 15, 5 reminds us that we can't do anything without him. I love how Warren Wearsby says it like this. This is good. Watch this. It says, what we do with Jesus is far more important than what we do for Jesus. Let that sink in. What we do with Jesus, being in communion, reading of his word, communicating with him, being in his presence, worshiping him is far more important than what we do for Jesus, all the work that we do in his name. When we, get, we can get so caught up in our work, then we can start to criticize others, then we can start to feel overworked. When we get to those points, we need to step back and examine our lives and ask ourselves, have I been ignoring being in his presence? One of the lines that God gave me this week was this, was we can't allow our work for Jesus to surpass our worship for Jesus, in other words. How easy is it for us to get so busy doing the work of Jesus serving him in the church or outside the church, that it surpasses our worship for Jesus. That just is unbalanced and doesn't make any sense. If serving Jesus makes us difficult to live with, if serving Jesus makes, us, makes it hard to be one of our friends, then something's not lining up right. Just ask my wife, Jen. She'll let you know whenever I am working for Jesus, if my work for Jesus is trumping my worship for Jesus. She'll let you know every stinking time and she'll let me know too. But that's why I'm thankful I have a wife that pushes me to make sure that this is always gonna trump this. What does that look like for you? Is your work for Jesus trumping your worship for Jesus? If that's the case, then you need to shift. You need to slow down and you need to shift and make sure that your work doesn't trump your worship in Jesus. Because you could miss the things that are right in front of your face. You can miss the moments of people that are right in front of your face. You can miss the moments and the opportunities that are right in front of your face and then miss the sweet moments of being in the presence of the person and the Godhead of our Jesus. So what have we seen? What have we learned from this story of laying it down? We need to lay down our purpose when it comes to our giftings and our talents. Are we we using just our gifts and talents for our own purposes or are we utilizing them for God's purposes to bring him glory instead of ourselves? Are we laying down our treasure? Are we laying down our pennies when the promptings come or are we ignoring them and pushing them away? And then lastly, are we laying down our presence, being present in the presence of Jesus to not allow the work of Jesus to trump our worship of Jesus. Last thing, last verse of this section. Listen to what Jesus says. Love this. 
And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel, which remember the gospel is the good news of Jesus, his death and resurrection, wherever that is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done, what Mary has done, will be told in memory of her. And here we are, 2022, rewinding all the way back, remembering the story of how Mary laid it all down at the feet of Jesus, reminding us we do that because he laid it all down for us. Jesus laid down his life for us. He said yes for us on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin that none of us can fix on our own. None of us can work out on our own. It's only the work of Jesus on the cross that can cancel out our sin problem that separates us from God. But because he died and because he rose again, because he laid down his life and then rose up his life, he now offers you and me forgiveness and life that lasts forever. And he says that all who call upon him and believe that he did that and believe in their heart that he truly did that and humbles themselves and lays down their life to surrender their life to, to, to Jesus, that you'll be saved. And so if you've never laid it all down yet for Jesus, if you've never laid down your life and surrender to Jesus to save you, then I wanna give you that opportunity before you click off. And so wherever you're at, you can just say this prayer and make it your own. Just say, Father, here I am. I'm laying it all down. I lower my pride and I recognize today that you are God. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again for me. Thank you for paying the penalty of my sin. Forgive me for my sin. Just tell them that, forgive me. And then just say, right now I receive you, Jesus, into my life. I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. As we continue to pray, if you truly meant that, just be reminded. Be reminded today of the story that as we rewinded today. Be reminded that you will no longer perish that you will no longer be separated from Jesus, but now you'll have everlasting life and it lasts forever. God, thank you so much for this great reminder that you preserve for us to be people that lay it all down. Help us to not waste moments in your presence. Help us to not waste moments that we have to give of our treasure that comes from you. Help us not waste the talents and giftings you've given us to give you glory. We pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Well, listen, if you put your faith in Jesus today, if you've said yes to Jesus today, please don't walk alone. You can let us know by just texting the number there on the screen. And the reason why we want you to text it, I want you to be bold. Let someone know, let us know, and here's why. Because you shouldn't walk alone in your journey now with Jesus. And our vision here is to help people move towards God. And so we want to celebrate with you and answer any questions that you might have.